0: From Pasch to Samartan's Conversion, Part 10, Jesus in Bithynia ends established for the accommodation of Jesus and the disciples on their journeys, the pearl lost and found. With Lazarus and five disciples belonging to Jerusalem, Jesus traversed the road from Capernaum to Bithynia through the region of Bethulia, but to Bethulia itself, which lay high in the distance, they did not go. Their way round around it toward Jezreel, outside of which Lazarus owned a kind of accommodation inn with a garden. The disciples had gone on ahead and prepared a luncheon. One of the trusty servants of Lazarus had charge of the place. It was early in the morning when they washed their feet here, shook the dust from their clothes, ate something, and took a little rest. From Jezreel they went over a little river, leaving Scythopolis and afterwards Salem, to the left, crossed a mountain spur and approached the Jordan. Continuing their course southward, they crossed the river below Samaria, and because it was already night, rested some hours on an eminence of the river's bank, where some faithful shepherds dwelt. Before daybreak next morning, they started again, and directed their steps between High and Gilgal, the desert of Jericho. Jesus and Lazarus journeyed together, while the disciples went ahead by another route. Jesus and Lazarus walked the whole day by unfrequented paths without touching at any place, not even at the inn that Lazarus owned on the side of the desert. When within a few hours of Bithynia, Lazarus went on ahead, and Jesus continued his journey alone. There were assembled at Bithynia with Lazarus and the five disciples from Jerusalem, about fifteen disciples and followers of Jesus, and seven women, Saturn, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, his nephews, Simeon's sons, and those of Johanna Chusa, Veronica, and Obed, respectively. Among the women were Veronica, Johanna Chusa, Susanna, Mary Marcus of the widow of Obed, Martha, and the discreet old servant of the last-named, who afterward joined the holy women who cared for the wants of the Lord and His disciples. All were gathered in a large subterranean vault of Lazarus's castle, quietly, and it seemed, secretly awaiting the coming of Jesus. Toward evening, he arrived and entered the garden by a back gate. Lazarus went out to meet him in a reception hall where he washed his feet. There was here a deep basin connected with the house by pipes, through which Martha poured tepid water for the use of their guest. Jesus, sitting on the rim of the basin, immersed his feet, which Lazarus washed and dried. After that, he shook out Jesus' garments, put on his feet fresh sandals, and handed him a little food and drink. And Jesus accompanied Lazarus through a long, shady walk up to the house and down into the vaulted chamber. The women drew their veils and bowed low on their knees before him, while the men inclined profoundly. Jesus greeted all and blessed them, after which they took their place at table. The women sat on cushions at one side of the table, and their feet crossed under them. Nicodemus was remarkably impressed and very desirous of hearing every word of Jesus. The men spoke indignantly of John's imprisonment. But Jesus said that it had to be, it was the will of God, and that they should not speak of such things in order not to attract attention, and thereby give rise to danger. If John had not been removed from the scene of action, he himself would not yet have been able to labor here. The blossoms must fall, if the fruit is to appear. Then they spoke angrily of the spying and persecution set on foot by the Pharisees. Whereupon Jesus again commanded them to be at peace. He deplored the action of the Pharisees, Related the parable of the unjust steward, the Pharisees too were unjust stewards, though not so prudent as the subject of the parable, therefore would they have no resource on the day of reckoning. After the meal, they retired to another apartment where lamps were lighted. Jesus prayed aloud and began the exercises of the Sabbath. After that, Jesus conversed awhile with the men, and all retired to rest. When silence reigned in the house, and the inmates were sunk in slumber. Jesus arose from his couch and went out unperceived to the cave on Mount Olivet, on which, on the day before his bitter passion, he would wrestle in prayer. He prayed several hours to his heavenly Father for strength to accomplish his work, and before daybreak returned unnoticed to Bithynia. The sons of Obed, who were servers in the temple, now returned with some others to Jerusalem, but the rest of the guests remained quietly in the house, and none but themselves knew of Jesus' presence. During the meal today, Jesus told them of his stay among the people of Upper Galilee at Amiad, Adama, and Seleucia. And as the men and their zeal vehemently inveighed against the sects, he reproved them for their bitterness, and related to them a parable. He told them of a man who on the way to Jericho had fallen among robbers, and who had received more pity from a Samaritan than from a Levite. I have always heard this parable related in the same way, though with different applications. He spoke also of the calamities about to befall Jerusalem. At night, when all were asleep, Jesus went again to pray in the cave on the Mount of Olives. He shed many tears and endured intense fear and anguish. He was like a son going forth to great labors, and who first threw himself on the bosom of his father to receive strength and comfort. My guide told me that whenever Jesus was in Bithynia and had an hour to spare, he used to go to that cave to pray. This was a preparation for his last agony on Mount Olivet. It was also shown to me that Jesus, chiefly on Mount Olivet, prayed and sorrowed, because Adam and Eve, when driven from paradise, had here first trodden the inhospitable earth. I saw them in that cave sorrowing and praying, and it was on this mountain, which Cain was cultivating for the first time, that he became so enraged as to resolve to kill Abel. I thought of Judas. I saw Cain murdering his brother in the vicinity of Mount Calvary. And on Mount Olivet, called by God to account for the same. Daybreak found Jesus back again in Bithynia. The Sabbath over, that took place on account of which principally Jesus had come to Bithynia, the holy women had heard with sorrow that hardships Jesus and his followers had had to endure upon their journeys, and that Jesus especially, on his last hurried journey to Tyre, had suffered such one, they had heard of his having to soften the hard crusts, which Saturnin had begged on the way in order to be able to eat them. They had therefore offered to establish inns and furnish them with all that was necessary. Jesus accepted their offer and came hither to make with them the necessary arrangements. As he now declared that he would henceforth publicly teach everywhere, Lazarus and the women again offered to establish inns, especially since the Jews in the cities around Jerusalem, instigated by the Pharisees, would furnish nothing to him and his disciples. They also begged the Lord to signify to them the principal stopping places on his journeys and the number of his disciples, that they might know how many ends will be needed and what quantity of provisions to supply. Jesus replied by giving them the route of his future journeys, also the stopping places, and the probable number of disciples. It was decided that about fifteen inns should be made ready and entrusted to the care of confidential persons, some of them relatives either of Lazarus or of the Holy Family. They were scattered throughout the whole country, with the exception of the district of Kabul toward Tyre and Sidon. The Holy Women then consulted together as to what district each should see to, and what share each should take in the new establishments, to supply furniture, covers, clothes, sandals, etc., to provide for washing and repairing, and to attend to the furnishing of bread and other necessaries. All this took place before and during the meal, Martha was in her element. After the meal, Jesus, Lazarus, the other friends, and the holy women assembled secretly in another of the subterranean halls. Jesus sat on a raised seat at one side of the hall, the men standing and sitting around him. The women were on the opposite side of the steps, covered with carpets and cushions. Jesus spoke of the mercy of God to his people. He had sent them prophets, one after another, whom they had disowned and ill-treated, Now they would reject the supreme grace, and he predicted what would betide them. After he had dwelt upon this at length, some of his hearers said to him, Lord, relate this to us in a beautiful parable. And Jesus told them the parable of a king, who after all his servants had been killed by the unfaithful vinedressers, sent his son into the vineyard, where he too was murdered. Some of the men withdrew at the close of this instruction, and Jesus went with others into the hall and walked up and down. Martha, who was passing to and fro, approached him and had a long talk about her sister Magdalene. She related what she had heard of her from Veronica, and her own consequent anxiety. While Jesus was walking up and down the hall with the men, the women sat playing a kind of lottery for the benefit of their new undertaking. On the elevated platform was a table on rollers around which they sat. The plane of the table, which projected into five angles like the rays of a star, covered a box about two inches in depth. From the five points to the center of this partition box ran deep furrows on the surface, and between them were slits connecting the interior. Each of the women had some long strings of pearls and many other little precious stones. Each in turn placed some of them in one of the furrows on the table. Then resting a delicate little bow on the outer end of the furrow, she shot a tiny arrow at the nearest pearl or stone. The shock received by this one communicated itself to the rest, which rolled into the other furrows or dropped through the holes into the compartments in the interior of the box. All the pearls and stones had been shot from the surface. The table, which was upon rollers, was agitated to and fro, by which movement the contents fell into other little compartments, which could be drawn out at the edge. Each of these little drawers had previously been assigned to one of the players, so that when the holy women drew them out, they saw at once what they had won for their new undertaking, or which jewel they had lost. Oba had died not long before, and his widow was still mourning for him. Before the baptism, he had been at Lazarus's with Jesus. During the game, the holy women lost a very precious pearl that had fallen down among them. All moved back and forth for it most carefully. When at last they found it and were expressing their joy, Jesus came over to them and related the parable of the lost drachma and the joy of the owner upon finding it again. From their pearl, lost, carefully sought, and joyfully found, drew a new similitude to Magdalene. He called her a pearl more precious than many others, that, from the lottery table of holy love, had fallen and were going to destruction. With what joy, he exclaimed, will ye find again the precious pearl? Then the women, deeply moved, asked, "O oh Lord, will that pearl be found again? And Jesus answered, Seek ye more earnestly than the woman in the parable sought the last drachma." With the shepherd and his stray sheep. Profoundly touched at this answer, all promised to seek after Magdalene more diligently than after their lost pearl, and assured him that their joy upon finding her would far exceed what they now felt. Some of the women begged the Lord to receive among his disciples the young man of Samaria who, after the Pasch, had besought this favor of him on the road to that city. They praised his great wisdom and virtue. I think he was related to one of them. But Jesus replied that he could not count upon him, as he was blinded by love of riches. That evening several of the men and women began their preparations to go to Betharon, whose Jesus was to preach next day. That night Jesus again retired secretly to the Mount of Olives, and prayed with his whole heart and soul, after which he went with Lazarus and Saturnin to Bethron, about six hours off. It was then one hour past midnight. They cut through the desert on their way, When about two hours distant from Betharon, they were met by the disciples whom Jesus had appointed to join him there, and who had arrived at the inn near Betharon the day before. There were Peter, Andrew, and their half-brother Jonathan, James the Greater, John, James the Less, and Judas Thaddeus, who was with them now for the first time, Philip, Nathaniel Chasid, also the bridegroom of Cana, and one or two of the widow's sons. Jesus rested with them under a tree in the desert for a long time and gave them an instruction. He spoke again on the parable of the Lord of the vineyard, who had sent his son to the vine dressers. At the conclusion of the discourse, they proceeded to the inn and took something to eat. Saturn had received from the woman a purse of money with which to procure provisions for the little party. Part 11. Jesus in Betharon, The Hardships and Privations of the Disciples It was toward eight o'clock in the morning when Jesus arrived in Betharon. A couple of the disciples went to the dwelling of the elders, demanded the keys of the synagogue, as their master wanted to deliver an instruction. Others scattered through the streets and summoned the people to the school, while Jesus went with the rest to the synagogue, which was soon filled with auditors. He taught again in severe terms on the parable of the Lord of the vineyard, whose servants were murdered by the unfaithful vinedressers, whose son, whom he had sent to them, shared the same fate, and who at last gave the vineyard into the hands of others. He spoke likewise of the persecution of the prophets, and the imprisonment of John, saying that they would persecute him also, and lay hands upon him, and he ended by predicting the judgment and woe that were to come upon Jerusalem. This discourse occasioned great excitement among the Jews. Some rejoiced, while others muttered angrily to one another. Whence came this man so unexpectedly here. No one knew of his arrival, and some who had heard that they were women, followers of Jesus. At the inn in the valley went out to question them on the designs of their master jesus cured several that were sick of a fever and after some hours left the city veronica johanna chusa and obed's widow had arrived at the inn and prepared a luncheon jesus and the disciples partook of it, standing after which they girded themselves and recommenced their journey jesus taught on the same day in kibzim on similar subjects as at bethron also in some small shepherd settlements All the disciples were not present in Kibzame, but they met again at a large house belonging to a shepherd. It was surrounded by outbuildings and stood in the confines of Samaria. Mary and Joseph had been hospitably received there on their journey to Bethlehem, after having vainly sought admittance elsewhere. Here Jesus and the disciples, about fifteen in all, ate and slept. Lazarus and the women had returned to Bethania. On the next day... Jesus and the disciples, sometimes together, sometimes in separate groups, passed rapidly through several large cities and small towns that lay in a district of some hours in extent. Kabah and Najoth, about four hours from Kibzim, were among them. In none of these places did Jesus take time to go to the synagogues to teach, but instructed the crowds that gathered to hear him on hills in the open air, on the public places, and in the streets. Several of the disciples remained with Jesus while the others scattered through the valleys and shepherd villages to call the dwellers to the places where Jesus was to pass. The whole day's work was performed with incredible hardship and fatigue, the constant going from place to place. Jesus cured many sick, some of whom were carried to him, but others cried out themselves for his aid. There were some lunatics among them. Many possessed ran clamoring after him, but he commanded them to be silent and to retire. What made that day's work still more wearisome was the bad dispositions of the people and the insults of the Pharisees. These places, being near Jerusalem, were full of people who had taken part against Jesus. It was then as it is now in little places. They talk of everything without understanding anything. It was to such people that Jesus suddenly appeared with his band of disciples and his grave and denunciatory preaching. He repeated the instructions delivered at Betharon, spoke of the graces now offered for the last time, after which would come the day of justice, and again alluded to the ill usage of the prophets, the imprisonment of John, and the persecution directed against himself. He brought forward above all the parable of the Lord of the vineyard, who had now sent his son. He said that the kingdom would soon come, and the king's son would enter in possession of it. He often cried, Woe to Jerusalem and to them that would not receive his kingdom, would not do penance, These severe and menacing discourses were interrupted by many acts of charity and by the cure of the sick. In this way, Jesus journeyed from place to place. The disciples had much to endure, and it was often very hard for them. On Reaching a town or village and announcing the coming of Jesus, they often heard the scornful words, What? Is he coming again? What does he want? Whence comes he? Has he not been forbidden to preach? And they laughed at him, derided and insulted them. There were indeed a few that rejoiced to hear of Jesus' coming, but there were very few. No one ventured to attack Jesus himself, but wherever he taught, surrounded by his disciples, or proceeded along the street followed by them, the crowd shouted after them. They stopped the disciples and plied them with impertinent questions, pretending that they had misunderstood or only half comprehended his severe words, and demanding an explanation. Meanwhile, other cries resounded, cries of joy at some cure just wrought by Jesus. This scandalized the crowd, and they fell back and left him. And so he continued till evening, these rapid and fatiguing marches, without rest or refreshment. I noticed how weak and human the disciples still were in the beginning. During Jesus' instructions, they were questioned as to his meaning. They shook their head as if they had not understood what he really meant. Nor were they satisfied with their condition. They thought to themselves— Now we have left all things, and what have we for it, but all this tumult and embarrassment? Of what kind of a kingdom is he always speaking? Will he really gain it? These were their thoughts. They kept them concealed in their own breast, though often manifesting discouragement in their countenance. John alone acted with the simplicity of a child. He was perfectly obedient and free from constraint, and yet the disciples had seen and were still witnessing so many miracles. It was indeed touching to think that Jesus knew all their thoughts, and yet acted as if wholly ignorant of them. He changed nothing in his manner, but calmly, sweetly, and earnestly went on with his work. Jesus journeyed far into the night of that day. When on this side of a little river that forms the boundary of Samaria, he and his disciples stopped for the night among some shepherds from whom they received little or nothing. The river water was not fit for drinking. It was a narrow stream, and here, not far from its source at the foot of Gerizim, made a rapid turn toward the west.